Welcome to Real Souls with Peggy Bennett. Our guest today has a gift of really discovering what things may be blocking you and or preventing you from having the relationship you desire. She shared with me something that I had never even thought of before. She said that when you are, you are the person to leave the marriage or relationship, you don't give yourself or allow yourself time to grieve. I had such an aha moment at that time when she told me that, because that's me. I've been divorced now two years, and I've realized that I'm now just doing my own grieving. Without further ado, I want to present my guest here, which is Laura Richer. Welcome, Laura. Hi, Peggy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Before we get started, I wanted to read a little about your impressive um, bios and, bio and share that with the listeners. Laura is a certified hypnotherapist and match, master life coach and Reiki practitioner. Her love of learning has taken her to Western Washington University, the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, Bastyr University, which I love, and Seattle Life Coach Master Training, and many, many more. Laura is currently pursuing her master's in clinical mental health counseling at Antioch University. My goodness, how do you fit all this in? <laughs> it is not easy. It's been a lot of years in the making. Wow. You do have a, a love of learning, I can tell. I do. I love I love learning and I love classes, although I'm winding, I'm finishing up my master's degree right now, and I think I'll take a break for school for a while after that. <laughs> Good for you. So um, with your just wealth of knowledge, and it's so fascinating, all the, all the things that you do, how did you... Um, how did you get into um, what you're doing today? I'm always fascinated with guests. How did you start? So it came, I started from a place of just being totally dissatisfied in my own life. I actually, in my previous life, uh, had a corporate job in the insurance industry, so very different than what I do today. Um, I lived in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, and I just was very unhappy in my job and in my personal life. And I came across a school called the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, which is in Tempe, Arizona. Um, and they teach all kinds of classes um, in alternative healing modalities, so hypnotherapy, Reiki, life coaching, uh, different types of spiritual studies and energy work. And I was just fascinated by the oh, school. sounds fabulous. Yeah. I stalked the school online for like two <laughs> years before I finally went to it. Um, but what I did when I decided to go to it was just to give myself permission to do work on myself and work on my own healing. I really didn't have any intention of making it a career. Um, and that kind of came into being a couple years later. So uh, it was funny. I just went for my own interest and a whole different career path blossomed out of that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like you found your true love. I really, really did. Yeah. Insurance was not my true love. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, so now you have a program that you call Richer Love. Mm -hmm. And I love that name with Richer being your last name. Yes, Very correct. clever play of, play <laughs> of words. Um, talk to me about um, how that, what that program is all about. So I, um, when I was 35, I got divorced and I moved back to Seattle. I was living in Phoenix. I came back up to Seattle and I started my um, healing arts practice. Um, and I was single during that time for about five years. Like you, I, I left a marriage and I think it took me a long time to, to grieve that because when you're the person that leaves, you feel like you... I don't know, maybe you don't have permission to do that and, or you're just unconscious about what you're dealing with because it was a choice you made. So anyway, it took me about five years to really kind of heal from everything that I had been through. And during those five years, I was dating and I'd never really dated before. I certainly had never done 
online dating. I'm 42, so I missed the whole online dating thing uh, before when I was married um, or before I got married. Um, And so it was kind of difficult for me. I really was naive. I didn't really know what to expect. I think um, it was just a really difficult experience. Um, And finally, after that was five years, I met someone amazing. And I started to reflect back on the experience I had and everything that I learned during that time. And I kind of thought, I wish somebody could have taught me how to handle that differently or mm. or how to interpret, um, you know, when, when red flags show up and when people aren't really showing up in the right way, how to identify that and let that go. And I thought, I could teach women this. What took me five years, I could teach them in a couple of months. So I started working on developing Richer Love, which is a program that's really to help women basically heal from any past um relationship baggage that they're carrying around from them, get really clear on what they're looking for in a partner and in dating, what their standards and expectations are, and then giving them, helping them build the self-confidence to accept nothing less than that. I love that. So let's scoot back a little. How do you know, like, if someone is truly ready for love? Because a lot of women feel like, oh, they're ready. But how do you know? So I think that me as an example, I thought, you know, the day that I, I left my marriage, like, sure, I'll, I'm ready to meet somebody new, which was, and I and I genuinely thought that and believed that, but it was, you know, in hindsight, that truly was not the case. So um, I think a lot of times people think they're ready when they're not. Right. So I know they're not ready when they're operating from a place of fear. So if they're like, oh my gosh, what if I connect with the wrong person? What if I get ghosted? What, you know, and, they, and they're very fearful about dating. They're not in a place oh, that they're ready. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. Okay. What's another? Um, I also think that if they're not clear about what they're looking for, so maybe, you know, some, and this shows up in the work I do with clients often, is that they really want to get married and have a family and have a very specific idea of what they want to create in their life, but yet they're choosing to date people who don't want to have kids or are not in the same place in their life or career as they are, and they're not, they're not looking for... Um, somebody that fits their vision of the life they're trying to create. So I'm really curious why that is, why they're attracted maybe to unavailable people or or people that just aren't going to be mm. the right fit for them when they're, when they're saying they want something else. Okay. In a way, I can see that it's um, actually safer that way. Yes, because on right? some level, they're, they're, they're avoiding it, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Interesting, yeah. interesting. And then, um, so describe to me who your perfect um, person would be. And, and I'm assuming, do you deal just with women on this? I can work with both. Um, in this specific program, I just work with women. Okay. Um, and there is a group component to this program. We call it the Sasterhood, where we oh, have... Oh, I love that name. <laughs> um, and that's kind of, that came from me and one of my girlfriends was single at the same time as me. And we were, we were both in our late 30s, early 40s um, dating. And it was kind of a foreign experience to both of us. So we were really lucky to have each other as kind of a support system because my family, I'm the only person who's divorced. You know, my parents have been married for 40 plus years. My sister's been married for 15 years. Um, So they didn't really get the experience that I was going through. And I felt really lucky to have somebody, a friend that did and realize there's a lot of women who are dating that don't have that person that they can go to as support. You know, my mom used to try to give me dating advice and I think, well, you haven't been single since the 70s. I mean, what do you know about anything? So I love my mom. She's Her intentions are good. Um, so anyway, that this particular program, the support group that is involved with it is for women. But I do also work with men one-on-one on relationships and what they're looking for and, and getting clarity around that. Okay. And so what this 
the Sasterhood. The Sasterhood. That's I'm, the the group. Yeah. And so, how do how what does that look like? So we're on a weekly call once a week where everyone in the program. So the work includes individual sessions where I work one on one with the client, helping them to work through any past relationship baggage, get clarity about they want what they want, create a vision for what they want in their life moving forward, and that that's one on one on one work I do with clients. Um, but then we also have a group call once a week where all the women get on the call and kind of. We just kind of share our experiences and what's oh, been challenging great. and offer each other support and also each other offer each other feedback, um, which I think can be really helpful. I think sometimes when we get caught up in chemistry or the excitement of dating, sometimes we, we miss a few things. So it's nice to have somebody that you can bounce ideas off of and say, you know, this is what's going on. What do you think about that? I love that because yeah. it can be so dating can be so isolating, especially yes. when you're a little older and yes. all your friends are already married and with their families. And yeah, I think that's a great idea. And that's actually my idea. My ideal client is somebody who finds themselves single at a point in their lives when they didn't think that they would be. So usually my clients are anywhere between like 30 and 60. Maybe they've ended a significant relationship or or a marriage has ended and they're just kind of starting to navigate the dating scene at a time in their life when they were not planning on being single. So it's all kind of foreign to them. Wow. I love that. So we're going to move on to um, some other things that you do, which is hypnotherapy and Reiki and life coaching. Mm -hmm. So you were when we were last time visiting, you said that um, some clients purchase a package and you can do kind of a combination Yes. Is that true? Yeah, that is true. So in the Richer Love program, it's just uh, coaching and a group uh, element. The the Sasterhood is included in that. Um, But the one-on-one work that I do with clients in my office um, on Upper Queen Anne is I either use hypnotherapy, Reiki, coaching, or a combination of all three of those services to just help them get unstuck from whatever is blocking them and and moving forward. Okay. And how does, uh, how do you know which, which... One, like, how do you know if, oh, she needs Reiki or hypnotherapy or a little life coaching or a little of everything? How do you know that? It's usually directed by the client. So often somebody will come to me and say, hey, I have this issue and I've heard about Reiki before and I'm wondering if this is something that could help me. So we will initially start with whatever their interest is. Maybe we'll start with a Reiki session and then, you know, whatever comes up from there, then we'll we'll move forward. So all of my programs are, are based on what my clients' need are, needs are and are custom to them. Okay. And go into a little more about Reiki because... Um you know, you've done Reiki on me and it's fabulous, but there are some of our listeners that have never had a Reiki session. Yeah. Go into a little about what Reiki is. So Reiki is a type of energy work and it's a Japanese healing art that was de- developed in the 1800s. And there was a doctor, a medical doctor named Dr. Asui, and he wanted to understand why some of his patients would heal um, and then others wouldn't from the same the same illnesses. And so he, what he discovered um, was that we have an energetic body, which are are the seven energy centers in our bodies, the, sh- the chakras. And that when we experience any sort of trauma, whether that's a physical trauma like an injury or an emotional trauma like a breakup or something that cr- causes grief or anxiety or depression, that it creates energetic blocks in our bodies. And so the practice of Reiki is to get energy flowing through your body freely again, because that's when you're going to experience the most optimal health. Um, so it's a kind of a, a woo-woo thing. And when I was first told <laughs> about it 20 years ago, one of my friends wanted to go to a Reiki clinic um, 
And I said, I don't know about this. I mean, it's not even really a massage. What is this going to do to me? <laughs> and I had a very interesting experience with it. And so I've been a fan ever since and a client ever since. And and now I'm a practitioner. And a lot of people have very different um, experiences. Some people experience like a relief of physical pain. Other people will have different memories come up while they're on the table or see colors. If anything, it's always a very relaxing experience. Um, so it's really good for working with stress and anxiety. Uh, but it's just a, it's a form of of body work. It kind of works in the same way maybe that acupuncture does, but not no needles. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It I prefer it over massage personally. I do too. You I do, do too. too. Yeah. Now now that I've been doing it for a long time, just because I feel like I always um there's an emotional release that happens with it whenever mm-hmm. I have a session. And and I love the fact that uh, both times that you did Reiki on me, that you have a vision. So you definitely have that you've trained your third eye. Yes. 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 So, so talk I, about that. So I am intuitive and I sometimes, not always, but sometimes will get intuitive messages when I'm working on clients and I'll, and I'll share those with my clients. Not all the time. Sometimes somebody's just on the table relaxing and I don't get anything for them, but sometimes I will get an image or a message and um, share that with a client. And usually it's relevant to something that's going on with them. Yeah. I love the butterfly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the last session um, Laura did for me, she, um, what was, what was your vision of the butterflies? I kept seeing a butterfly landing on a glass of water. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, and yellow butterflies, as I shared with you, to me are symbolic of my grandmother. That's when I see a, a butterfly. I always, uh, it, that symbolizes my grandmother to me. So I didn't know exactly what that was going to mean to you. And it had a very different meaning for you, but it was, it was significant to you. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. It's so cool. So um, with the hypnotherapy, um, go into a little of that for those who aren't as familiar with hypnotherapy or like me, I've, I'm no longer, but I was kind of afraid of hypnotherapy. (laughs) Yes. And a lot of people are, and that's really because it has a strange reputation from movies and things where it looks like mind control or that you're going to, or even from stage shows, which are for entertainment. Uh, we don't, in therapy, we don't do stage show things where you bark like a dog or anything like that. Um, so what what hypnotherapy is or what hypnosis is, is also known as being in a trance. And a trance is something that we go in and out of on our own all the time. So if you can go into a daydream or if you space out when you're driving or even when you're watching a movie and you're so focused on it, you're not aware of what's going on around you, that's being in a trance state. It's just a really heightened, focused state of concentration. Mm. So the benefit of using that in therapy is that it allows us to really relax the client to get to a deeper level of information, which is the information that's stored in the subconscious mind. So the conscious mind has everything that we're already thinking about. You know, maybe you have a problem that you've been working on and you're kind of in a hamster wheel chewing over the same information over and over. Um, And so you're aware of that information, but you're kind of stuck. The subconscious mind is that deeper level that's that stores like everything that's ever happened to us, every thought, experience, sensation, all of that is stored in your subconscious mind, but you might not be aware of it. So who cares about that? Well, it's important because it could still be influencing your behavior. So a silly story from my life was I was decided I wanted to eat healthy and save money. So I was going to take my lunch to school every day or to work every day. And so I'd buy groceries and then I wouldn't take it. And then I'd throw the food away at the end of the week. And I <laughs> and I did this for a couple of weeks and it was ridiculous. I asked my um, 
my therapist to do a session with me. I wanted to know what is this block about? And I pulled up an old memory of when I was a child and I didn't like the lunches that I took to school with me. My mom always gave me really healthy food, uh, you know, nutty bread and, and fruit and stuff. And I wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on Wonder Bread and some chips. So a lot of times- <laughs> What I your just, other friends yeah, had, right? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of times I wouldn't eat my lunch and I would just throw it away at school. And so it was interesting to pull that information out of my subconscious because it was still influencing my behavior. There was this block against taking my lunch because my subconscious was saying, no, 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 if you take your own lunch, it's not going to be good. So that's a silly example. And there's a lot of um, deeper issues that come up in, in hypnosis. But that's just a little example of how, how the subconscious mind can influence you in ways that you're not aware of. And did that work for you? What yeah. was the follow-up on that? <laughs> yeah. And so it really did because becoming aware of that and that, you know, I hadn't thought about the lunch I took to school when I was seven in, in year ever that I can remember. And so just being aware of that and being able to say, okay, well, I'm an adult. I'm the one who's putting this food in this uh, the bag. This is what I want to be eating. And just being conscious of it made, me, made it easy to shift that behavior. That's amazing yeah. how you we're able to bring that up. Yeah. So there's all kinds of information in the subconscious and it shows, it can show up as blocks in relationships. Um, I've worked with clients who feel really blocked in relationship and we'll go back to things that they observed in their childhood, their parents maybe fighting or um, beliefs that were created a long time ago that they're still influencing them, even though it's not manifesting the result that they want. And just becoming aware of that information can really be beneficial in, in changing it. Um, the other thing in hypnosis that's powerful is when you're in that really relaxed state, your mind is more open to suggestion than when you're in a regular conscious state. So we can make suggestions for the behaviors that you want to create and visualize what it would look like to do those things. And that's also a powerful tool for creating change. Wow. And when I was um, looking at your website, it also talked about past life. Yes. So past life regression is a really... That's so intriguing to me. Yeah. I love it. And I think it's fascinating. Um, there's a book called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. Have you ever read that book? No. Um, and that was... I read that a long time ago when I was in my early 20s. And it just really opened my mind to all sorts of different possibilities um, in terms of our consciousness and why we're here and, and what happens after we die and all that. So I, I did become interested in past lives and then um, past life regression as a type of hypnotherapy that allows you to explore your subconscious mind to find past life information. Um, even for people who don't believe in past lives, past life therapy can be beneficial because it it allows you to work out a problem on a storyline that you're observing. So it kind of takes you out of out of the problem. I don't know if this is going to make sense when I'm saying it, so that you can observe it from another perspective. And there's always a lot of insights that that come from that as well. So you don't even have to believe in past lives to do past life, life therapy. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So go a little more into that. Like, for instance, what's an example? So let's say you're having a problem in your relationship and you're really caught up in the struggle of it and like a battle of wills and ego and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like when you're in a problem like that, you're in the eye of the storm. You can't really see it. You're yes. so in it. Right. So past life therapy might take you back to a different time, um, a different time period where you're seeing a similar dynamic with this same person, only maybe they're your son instead of your boyfriend or your mother instead of your boyfriend. And you're observing that relationship on a different storyline. So you're seeing it from another perspective. And then there can be new awarenesses that that come from that. 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a, you know, I personally do believe in past lives. Um, but if you don't, that's just the therapeutic value of, of using that tool is to, to be able to let you see the problem from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So here's just a random question mm-hmm. that came to me is um, how about what are your thoughts on soulmates? I think that we have a lot of different possibilities for soulmates. Um, there is somebody who Dr. Michael Newton uh is uh, has done a lot of work around past lives, and and I've read um, a lot of his books. And he talks about how we travel through different lifetimes with a group, a soul group, basically, and that these souls come in and out of our lives in in different capacities. So you know, maybe in my in this life you're my friend, but in my past life you could have been my my dad or mom or or whatever. So that we have all of these different soulmates. Um, it's not just about romantic connections. It's mm-hmm. just that there's these totally souls that, that we we travel with as we incarnate. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I that makes sense to me. I don't believe that there's one romantic person as an option. And if you miss that one, you miss out on love or anything like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. What are your What are you What are your thoughts on soulmates? Well, I I feel the same way as far as soulmates can be um, a sister, um, the love of your life, um, a teacher that you met. It's it's. Uh, I think you have many different soulmates. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And it's when you meet that person. I've I've have a male friend of mine where I was like the second time we met. I'm like I just feel like I've met you before, mm-hmm. and he's like I feel the same way. Like. There's just such a strong, strong connection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you felt that way with someone? I have with various people in my life, and they have it with friends, with uh, uh, romantic relationships. And they're not necessarily people that stayed in my life the whole time, but I felt a very strong connection with them. And I believe that that was probably a destined meeting and that uh, we'd known each other before. And that's what's so fascinating. Yes, exactly. And I think that people think soulmates, that's, oh, that you're together forever, and it doesn't necessarily mean that. I feel the same way, yeah. is they can come and go in your life. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, and even you could only spend a brief period of time with them and still have a very strong soulmate connection with somebody. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So fascinating. So uh, a lot of my uh, straight-to-the-heart members come in and see me, and some of them, well, all of them are looking for the love of their life, mm-hmm. right? And uh, intuitively, there's some that I feel that just aren't ready. And I think I'm just so passionate about that because I didn't feel like I was really ready when I got married. And it was a month before turning 30. You would think at that age I would be ready. But it wasn't it. I just wasn't just emotionally ready and I got married for the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. I think that happens so often. And I got married at that same age. Um, and I think that I just felt like I needed to be married before I turned 30. And so <laughs> it was like, okay, well, I guess this person will do kind of a thing. So I think that, that, that we put these different pressures on ourselves and that it is so important to know yourself and know if you really are ready. But I, I agree with you. That happens all the time. Yeah. And I think... I think that I wonder if that's why we're in that, both in this similar industry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because we've gone through this and you 
become really passionate and you kind of look for signs. And um, sometimes it's easier to see signs in other people than it is yourself, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. That's what I mean. I personally work with my my own coach and my own therapist because I can see other people's stuff easily. But seeing my own is very difficult. And I think that's true for everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I had that same experience as you is as not really being ready to be in a relationship, but just moving forward because I thought it was what I was supposed to do. And I would say up and about until the time that I was 35, my whole life was about what I thought I was supposed to do. And I think that that really, um, I see that with when I'm working with clients is that they don't really know what they want. And so a big part of the program um, when I'm working with women right now is just to helping, helping them get ready for relationship and the relationship that they actually want to be in by being really clear about what it is they're looking for, why they want to be in a relationship, what their standards and expectations are. Um, because I, in hindsight, although I didn't realize it at the time, I didn't have any of those skills when I was going into making this commitment to be in a marriage that was supposed to last the rest of my life. And I wish I would have had a coach that could have helped me see that at the time. But I think that that's in life coaching school. They always say your mess is your mission. So I guess <laughs> <laughs> that mess was going to end up being my mission, just like you. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So I, I mean, kudos for women for reaching out to you, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. Because you have to be vulnerable. You have to be open to really looking at your, you know, what's going on with you. It's not random. If you're stuck in a loop where you're attracting the wrong relationship, it's really not random bad luck. It's that you probably just are not clear about what you really want. You're probably not in the right place yet for what you really want. Um, an example I can give of that just from my own life is when I was divorced, I thought I just wanted to get another, get into another relationship. Um, and I kept finding myself blocked in that. I just wasn't meeting the right person. Um, but in hindsight, there were so many reasons why it just was not the right time yet. And there was a lot of work I had to do on myself. I was also starting my own business and going to graduate school. And there was just a lot of things in my own life that needed tending to. Um, and and it took a while. It took longer than I wanted it to. But but I'm grateful for that time and that experience. So again, in the dating program, those are some of the things that we look at is, are you truly ready for a relationship? And if not, what do you need to do to get ready? What What is it in your own life that needs to be worked on or healed? And, and how can we help you do that? And Reiki and hypnotherapy and past life regression and coaching are all all good things to, to help clients get through that process. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And it is, um, and I really feel for the woman who is single and just wanting love right now, mm -hmm. today. They feel like they're so ready for it right now, and they're so, so eager. Yeah. And um, it's it's it does take sometimes just patience. Yes, and for that particular uh, woman, and I was that woman, is and you have to really, as cliche and corny as it sounds, <laughs> you really have to love yourself unconditionally. And that is a lot of what I work on with clients is when we're so needy for somebody else, it's usually because we're not loving ourselves and we're hoping that somebody else can show up and do that job for us. And so, of course, that 
never works out in in dating when you're when you show up and say, "Oh, I'm needy. I need you to love me. I can't love me, but I need you to." Um, so so yeah, self love is well, self love is kind of the answer to all problems, really. <laughs> yes, it it is a foundation. Yes, yeah. But I've had a friend of mine challenge me on define self love. Mm-hmm. So I want you to de- define self love. What does that mean to you? So for me, what it meant is that I didn't feel that I was incomplete without a relationship anymore. I felt like I was a fully functioning, whole, valuable, worthy individual on my own with or without a relationship. I also really kind of fell in love with my own life in that I was really, I started to, instead of noticing, oh, I don't have a relationship and things are off, I started really noticing all the amazing things that were happening for me, that I have amazing friendships, I have a great family, I had a business that I was creating that I loved. And I so instead of seeing something missing, I just really started to fall in love with my own life and feel content within myself. And from there, I got to a place where I didn't want to be in any relationship. I wanted to be in a good relationship. So if somebody Mm. was going to show up and bring value to my life, because my life was already good, that's what I realized, um, then that was great. And if they weren't, if they were bringing drama and chaos and, and not what I wanted, then I could pass on that because I was content enough within myself to to not need to grab on to just whatever whatever would show up. So that's such a good actually that's such a good point because when you're at such a good place in your life, you actually can see when that person comes a little clearer if they're going to be a, a right fit or not mm-hmm. because you're feeling so good in your own life. Yeah. So you can see those red flags a lot clearer and a lot quicker because you're at such a good point in your life, you're, and it sounds like um, I have similar beliefs where you're just grateful that your life is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need someone. It would complement, but not necessarily complete. Exactly. Exactly. And when you are feeling needy that you need, and I've worked with several clients who have been in this possession, position, and I've been in this position where you feel kind of needy. Um, you know, I had a kind of a like, God, I'm 35 and I'm single and that that's not what I planned for my life. And I've got to find somebody or I'm just going to be that like crazy old cat lady that's going <laughs> to die in her apartment or cats are going to eat her or whatever crazy thoughts I was having. But from that space, what I was saying is I'm not good enough just the way that I am. I'm not complete. There's a huge lack in my life. And please, somebody come in here and fill this hole for me. And and that's not attractive. That's nobody really wants that job. And the person who's probably willing to take on that job is probably equally as dysfunctional. And so you're going to come together in dysfunction instead of in a happy, healthy relationship. So I think self-love, I guess that does kind of sound like an obscure concept sometimes, but I think it just really means being happy within yourself, realizing that you are a whole and complete person, whether you're in a relationship or not. And, um, and only allowing things into your life that enhance them, not accepting table scraps or, or a behavior that doesn't work for you just because you're needy to be in a relationship. Right. And when we say complete, know that we're always, always evolving. Mm-hmm. We're never going to be 100% complete in that we're always evolving as humans. Yes, we're always growing and evolving. But whether we have another person or not, or we have a certain job or a certain type of status, we we still are okay. 
Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We don't need something outside of us to complete us. Right. Yeah. Right. Like and the whole Jerry Maguire thing was not true. <laughs> the you complete me thing is no good. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I say. I say that a lot too. Exactly. That's so funny. And um, when I was, uh, when I got married, when, one month before turning 30 and I got married, I didn't have that um, self-esteem. I didn't have that self-love. I was really um, a late bloomer mm. in that world. Me too. And I think, you know, there's this kind of idea, I and I had felt at the time, which is such a, a limiting belief and not a true thought. But back then, I felt like I really needed a relationship to be validated and to have worth that somebody needed to claim me. And I had to have a wedding to show that somebody chose me. And, and so choosing a partner from that p- place was was not a good way to go about it because I was just doing it uh, from a purely like ego, I need to be okay and look okay to everybody else place. And I wasn't thinking about, you know, who am I and what do I really need and what do I want in my life? I mean, it was just, it was very misguided. That, I mean, that was my experience. And I know I'm not the only one who's had that Oh, experience. yeah. And yeah. exactly. And at that age, you're one of the last of your peer groups yes. to get married, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And I was, I think, out of my group of girlfriends. I, I was, was too. the last one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, this has been so much fun having you on today. And um, how do listeners uh, find you? So you can find me at richerlove.com if you are a woman who is uh, sick of being single and you're looking to uh, do some work on yourself to be ready for dating and then be one of Peggy's clients. Um, (laughs) Or you can also find me if there's other work that you want to do, healing work outside of the dating world. Um, You can go to seattlehealinghypnosis.com. Fabulous. And before we wrap it up, I want to ask you, um, I have a signature closing question. What makes you feel most alive? What's one thing that makes you feel most alive, Laura? I think there's a couple different things. But just since what we're talking about today, when I am working with one of my clients and I see them have a breakthrough and Mm -hmm. and significant transformation that happens on the other side of that, I feel completely alive and living in my purpose. And it's awesome. I love it. Oh, that is so wonderful. I love it. That shows that you're meant to do this. Oh, I I love this work. I absolutely love it. I never get sick of it. Definitely different than my insurance gig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again. And thank you, Sydney, on the controls. Thank you for having me. It's been great talking with you today. Oh, thank you. And please subscribe to Real Souls with Peggy Bennett. And um, talk to you next time. 